0: So, so, I told you guys before the game that you're the best group that I've ever worked with, the commitment you have to each other, right? And then we showed the video of these last-minute goals. And a group that shows belief,
1: that never says quit, that runs for each other, that fights for each other, that does everything we can. And that, guys, that is what got us here, right? It's the character of you guys, right? I don't stand in front of the fans and hear my name chanted. It's me. It's us. It will always be us, and we, f- 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 staying in the Premier
0: League, gents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Football America's live and underway here on ESPN Plus alongside Hercules Gomez. I am Sebastian Salazar. Will a dramatic weekend, Herc, lead to a dramatic show? here on Football Américas on this Monday. That's the question.
1: Uh, What's he drinking? Some lame pumpkin spice ale out there? What what, what was that?
0: I don't know. It looked like a a red label to me, like a good old-fashioned maybe Budweiser or Bud Diesel. That's what Jesse Marsh, the American, should be drinking uh, to celebrate (laughs) staying up in the Premier League. Look, we got a lot to get to in this show. We got a final set in Liga MX. In fact, according to you, Herc, on Twitter, it is, quote, the final no one wanted. So we'll, yeah. uh, we'll look ahead to that. Speaking of finals, we got a final in the Women's Champions but League to discuss deserve. as well. Sh- true, true. Uh, Barcelona-Leon, what a shocker that was over the weekend. Uh, plus, don't look now, but it's Open Cup week. We got eight games Wednesday, the round of 16, including El Trafico, LAFC against the LA Galaxy. So we will preview that. But let's start with the struggle for survival. Relegation battles across Europe. We start in the Premier League. Leeds and American manager Jesse Marsh. They went into Sunday in the bottom three. They were away to Brentford and got a game winner late from Jack Harrison Herc in the 94th minute.
1: Of all people, Jack Harrison. Look at Jesse Marsh. Jesse Marsh, who uh, didn't have destiny in his own hands. They needed a few results to go their way. And look at that. Look at that. There you go, you Ted Lasso wannabe. Jack
0: Harrison, of course, not just with the MLS ties, but with the NCAA ties as well. Herc, I know how you feel about the college game. Magic for Jesse Marsh and Leeds. 94th-minute game winner in the season finale to stay up. That coupled with Burnley's 2-1 defeat against Newcastle. The difference, by the way, they also had some stoppage time magic last week uh, in that draw against Brighton. So what does the final table then, Herc, look like in the Premier League when it is all said and done. we're well, going down, you got Norwich, Watford, and Burnley. Leeds, 17th, staying up. How about it? A beautiful picture for Leeds fans as well as Jesse Marsh. All right, that's the story in England. What about in La Liga, Herc? Mallorca, Mexican manager Javier Aguirre, they needed a win away to Osasuna on the last day of the season to guarantee safety. And boy, did they ever get it. Two second half goals, the difference in a 2-0 win, Hurt.
1: Uh, great game, sans the commentary. Uh, but this was an amazing <laughs> game to watch as a neutral. Uh, it was something crazy, like five points out of 54 possible that Mallorca had uh, been able to get on the road. This was almost mission impossible. Javier Aguirre and Mallorca. I- I'm extremely pleased for Javier Aguirre. And for Steve those are the only two people I'm happy for about this situation.
0: Yeah, Mallorca just their third away win all season. Their first away win since back in December. And their first win in Pamplona since 2009. So, against all sorts of odds, Javier Aguirre and company uh, getting it done. As you mentioned, Herk, they were in control of their own destiny. Yes, so, the win were. gets the job done. Uh, Cadiz, it was a crazy day at the bottom of the table uh, in Spain. They stay up after a 1-0 victory over Alaves. Granada Tied 0-0 against Espanol and Granada missed a penalty kick late in that game. So they're relegated along with Alaves and Levante. All right, Herc, so we got a couple rescue jobs to compare here. Jesse Marsh and El Vasco Aguirre, which for you was more impressive?
1: It has to be Jesse Marsh. Now, I love Javier Aguirre, but he, he's almost made us accustomed to this. I mean, Pachuca, Osuna, Zaragoza, Español, Mallorca, and a couple times with Mexico for the World Cup. So this is what we're accustomed to. And not only that, but Jesse Marsh is heading into a situation where it's the Premier League. It's the more competitive league. It's the higher bar, if you will. And he's replacing such a beloved figure and and, and Bielsa, Marcelo Bielsa, and and everything that kind of encompassed him going in. The the xenophobia that came with his Ted Lasso comparisons, the British press, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, uh, An injury riddled team. Mm. Uh, The whole season that he was there, or his season, I should say, that small body of work, trying to get players fit enough to even compete. Tactical disarray, everything that Bielsa had left this team. And, And to go into the final match day, not even having your own destiny in your own hands you had to win out and you had to hope that somewhere along the lines other teams faltered and all that came into fruition and it happened Uh, by no way am I trying to take away anything that Javier Aguirre has done but Javier Aguirre goes into a much more comfortable situation. He's almost a darling of the Spanish press. His, his uh, if you will, sayings, the type of player the type of player he was, the type of coach he is, uh, how much credit and equity he already has, Jesse Marsh didn't have that going mm-hmm. for him. So it's a much more difficult situation for Jesse Marsh.
0: Okay, what Jesse Marsh did is certainly impressive. It's not more impressive than what Vasco did with Mallorca. I'll tell you why. Let's just look at the dates, right? Aguirre takes over on March 24th. Jesse Marsh takes over on February 28th. So, a month that Jesse Marsh had to work with his team during the season that El Vasco Aguirre didn't have. So, El Vasco Aguirre, in less time, did more. El Vasco takes over there in 18th. They're in the relegation places. He pulls them to 16th. When Jesse Marsh takes over, they're 16th and they ended up 17th. Jesse Marsh stopped the bleeding. El Vasco resuscitated a patient. That, for me, is the big difference there. Did they only win now,
1: one game? What's that? Did they only win the one game, the final game? El Vasco. Yeah.
0: No, they took seven points from their last nine. They won two Ooh. of their last three.
1: Two of their last three, there you go. Okay, Come on. That, that's all fair and good for Javier Aguirre, but you have to take into account the, if you will, uh, level of play. And also, Javier Aguirre had multiple things go his way. Multiple teams falter at the end. Jesse Marsh had one out, had one out, and that happened. That played. The one thing that you talk
0: about, which I think actually is, is, is a comfortable situation for Aguirre, I think it wasn't so comfortable. If you look at that lineup that he started yesterday in the decisive game, right? Half of those players are on loan. Some of the, the big players in that team were brought in in January, okay? Those are not guys that were picked by Aguirre. Look at the Leeds team. Those players are there because they play a style And Jesse Marsh is there because he coaches that style. So he walked in. He walked into a similar setting that he would have wanted walked no, no, into. Very, no, very, yes. very, very yes. different
1: styles, Sabi Bielsa and Jesse Marsh are completely different styles. One high presses, the other man marks all over the field. Very contrasting styles. And Jesse Marsh comes into a team that you mentioned bleeding. They were on one leg. They were trying to recuperate players all season while Jesse Marsh was there. Both very difficult situations, but by no means did he pick his team.
0: Both impressive rescue jobs and, and both redemption jobs for these guys as well, right? El Vasco coming yeah. off oh, yeah. um, Rayados <laughs> yes, for Jesse Marsh, coming off his struggles in Germany. And even for, for El Vasco going back, right? He, he had a very similar situation two years ago. Leganes, last day, couldn't keep him up. This and they time they sold
1: all his players that year, too.
0: There you go. This time he gets the job done. Now, Leeds staying up means they got some money, right? They got some money to spend for next year. Now, what are they going to do with that money? Ah, that takes us to our next story here on Football Américas. That's right. Multiple reports Sunday. Uh, first from Tom Bogert. That's the first one I saw. Then Fabrizio Romano. That Leeds will buy U.S. midfielder Brendan Aronson from Red Bull Salzburg for $29.5 million. That's coming from our Jeff Carlisle. Coming from Taylor Twelman, uh, Philadelphia Union gonna get a sell-on fee of about five million. This obviously would mean Aronson gonna reunite with Jesse Marsh. Uh, so what, he's been at, 14, at Salzburg for 14 months. He's 21 years old. Is he ready, Herc, for a big money move to the Premier League?
1: You know what? It's funny because when you ask this question, is he ready for the Premier League? The first thing that comes into the mind of anybody is physical capabilities, right? Can he acclimate to the physicality of the Premier League? This cliche. That's not the case with Brendan Arison. Brendan Arison, who's technically sound, has the physical attributes, has the speed of play, uh, both physically and speed of thought to compete in the Premier League. Uh, my question is, the maturity to deal with the attention and the expectations you will get within the premier league and that's going to be something different for him to handle but if i had to bet on any u.s men's national team player in that pool fighting their way into the hearts of any team Mm. any fan base in the premier league it's this player it's Brandon arison It's Mr. It's Football Americas, Mr. Football Americas, uh, because of the type of player he is. He doesn't strike me as this type of modern player who's more interested in what he wears, what kind of car he drives, who he's seen with. This player really is a pure love for the game type of player, and a player I think does anything, will do anything to fit into that system and succeed, and I could honestly see it happening.
0: He's not just Mr. Football Americas, huh? He's Mr. Run It Back. Because specifically, that's when he started to pop, right? Like every single week we would see it. So to the question, is he ready? I think he's proven it. If you're getting a goal, if you're getting an assist yeah. every week, every other week, you're being productive. You need to be challenged uh, at another level. So I think I think Brendan Aronson is is pretty clearly here ready for the jump to the Premier League. My questions aren't really so much about Brendan Aronson, Herc. They're, they're more a little bit about leads and specifically this situation. Because you could look at it, you say, it's ideal, right? It's a manager who knows you, Jesse Marsh, bringing you in. You can also look at it. And you just talked about how the media treated Americans, specifically Jesse Marsh. So you're now going to have an American big money signing yep. under an American manager yep. on a team that's American-owned and probably by next year going to be even a bigger percentage American-owned, they better not get off to a slow start because you know who they're going to blame, right?
1: Absolutely. And he's going to be one of those Marsh's, Marsh players, like we've seen oftentimes in other places. Serginio Dresden Kuman, uh, Ronald Kuman, he ended up being a Ronald Kuman guy. So when things went away, or right, excuse me, he was one of the first players to blame. That's going to go with Brendan Harrison as well. But I think he could manage these expectations. And listen, for Jesse Marsh, there are no excuses. You had the mm. excuse of this isn't my team. I came here in a bandit situation, stopped the bleeding, helped this team stay afloat. Now you've done that. Now you will have a situation to put out your own team, make your own signings, and this is a big one for you.
0: Yeah, final thought on, on Aronson. Sure, what he does in, in the Austrian Bundesliga is, is impressive, right? We saw it every week here on Run It Back. I think you remember what he did against Bayern Munich, right, in so, the Champions League? When one, you saw him at that one. level, when you saw him in that level, you said, okay, this, guy, this guy's ready for, for something else. Good if that something else is the Premier League and Leeds, boy, would it be exciting. So Leeds survives the drop, but uh, not everybody else hurts so fortunate. Uh, here's a list of CONCACAF players relegated from the big five leagues, right? Uh, we couldn't do everybody, but we should probably note as well, Luca Della Torre not on this list. He is going down with Heracles, or at least his club is going down Heracles uh, in Holland.
1: Yeah, I mean, Matt Miazga, Oscar Duarte, Josh Sargent, you almost expected that. Uh, Johan Vasquez was one of the top four statistical center backs in all Serie A. Ah, some of these players will make their way up. Some of these players, listen to this, will actually benefit from going down. They will get more minutes, they will be more productive, They will be better for their development. Relegation isn't always a negative sometimes for these players.
0: Johan Vasquez and uh, Genoa going down in Italy. Venezia going down as well. Wasn't all bad news. Tyler Adams and RB Leipzig, they won the German Cup over the weekend in penalties over Freiburg. Adams didn't start Herc, but he did enter the match in the 99th minute.
1: It's his uh, first club trophy, if I'm not mistaken. I am not going to count the supporter Shield. Ah, boo! I am not going to count USL uh, when he won with Red Bulls 2. This is his first club trophy at the senior club level. And it's a big one! Congratulations to Tyler Adams and uh, RB Leipzig.
0: Mm hmm. I mean, look at you just devaluating not just the supporter shield, the USL title. Unbelievable. Uh, He is a serial winner. He's he's won in a lot of places. We should at least uh, acknowledge that. Who knows? Maybe this is the end uh, of his time at Leipzig. We've heard him link to a couple other teams, one of them being Leeds under Jesse Marsh. Here's your trophy hall for U.S. men's national team eligible players on the European circuit. Herc, not quite as many as last year, but still a good number.
1: Yeah, and that's just the top five leagues. It's It's a very good number. Uh, and going back to Tyler Adams, they were semi-finalists in the Europa League, fourth place in Bundesliga, so Leipzig with a quite a comeback story after Jesse Marsh.
0: Let's uh, transition to the women's game. Women's Champions League final on Saturday. Barcelona against Lyon. Two Americans in the starting 11 for Lyon. And they got off to a great start. Amadine Henry in the six-minute hurt.
1: (laughs) This is just a ridiculous goal. Look at the distance. Look at the band. Look where she puts it in single.
0: Lyon weren't done. They got off to a great start out of Hegeberg.
1: I mean, the atmosphere is just electric they're feeding off of this atmosphere back door goalkeeper can't close out on time diving header that's two
0: all right let's get one of these americans involved in the highlights shall we katarina macario with a tap-in to make it three nil
1: yeah defensive air right there i mean barcelona you wouldn't have pegged this from this barcelona team katarina taking advantage of that
0: alexia puteas getting one back in the 41st minute should be named Champions League player of the season on Monday, but in the end, Leon just too much. They went three to one. Let's hear from Katerina Macario. The
1: match. Um, well I'm very happy obviously um, it was a big match uh, Barcelona was incredible um, but I'm just really happy that we were able to start the game so well um, those getting those three game those three goals uh, in the first half really helped um, and yeah I think it just came out you know just we were the team that showed up the most today and we had the most experience so uh, thankfully we were able to come out on top
0: Macario and Haran then joining the relatively short list of US women's national team players to have won a women's Champions League title. Five now on the list as Macario and Haran join Morgan, Lewandowski, and Ali Krieger back in the day. It's impressive, Herc, surely. But is it more impressive than winning an NWSL title? Herc, what say you?
1: Absolutely, it is. I mean, did you just see that crowd for the mm-hmm, Women's Championship mm-hmm, final? Mm-hmm. I didn't see that crowd in the NWSL final, the Spirit vs. Stars. I didn't see that crowd in the Challenge Cup final, very scarce crowd. Uh, just the uh, sheer attention that you have there, you could see the importance and also there's no salary cap in in Mm -hmm. the women's Champions League. Mm -hmm. You can have these teams. You can have, and maybe some would say, well, that means that it's more competitive in NWSL. Fine. Uh, Maybe it's more concentrated at the top, but still, you have to beat the players at the top. You have to beat these super teams like Lyon. You have to beat a historic team like Barcelona. Uh, You can say it's concentrated, but it's still very much in the favor of the women's Champions League. I just don't see where we go from here. WSL, because of that, I guess, spreading of the wealth, you get sometimes uh, not these uh, super clubs like you may have uh, in the Women's Champions League. So it makes it, I guess, an easier road to get to.
0: Yeah, so we made it more impressive. We should have made it tougher because to me, when I think, uh, you know, what's more impressive is, is what was tougher, not necessarily the size of the crowd, though I, I, I get the points that you're making. They're, um, they're totally valid. So let me defend the NWSL here. First of all, um, as far as the Champions League is concerned, the new format helps. It definitely helps. It's definitely tougher and more interesting. Uh, but the tournament doesn't really kick in, Herc, until the last eight. Right. Really until the quarterfinal round. Even if you go back to the group phases this year, you see the PSG, you see Lyon, you yeah, see Barcelona, their scores. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. winning 4 5 nothing. They're, they're rolling teams. There's, there's no competition there. In the NWSL, there is that grind, that competition every single week. And you got to survive a long regular season just to get into the playoffs, just to have a shot at the NWSL title. You know, if you're a super team, if you're a Lyon, a PSG, if you're Barcelona, you're dominating your league. So in that regard, for me, the the, the toughness of what you got to go through to really be in an NWSL final, to me, that's more impressive.
1: Yeah, Is it though? You saw the spirit falter like halfway through last year's NWSL regular season and then just roll right through into the playoffs and they were the hottest team. Uh, you look at the other side, and I just mentioned there was no salary cap. Why isn't a Lindsey Horan playing in the NWSL? Mm, you, know? you know, because more money attacks more, attracts more talent. More talent concentrated would be a higher level. So, I don't know, impressive. I like the collection of stars. I like thinking about the Champions League knockout style tournaments. One bad game could mean it. I mean, you just saw Barcelona. We've been talking about Barcelona for mm-hmm. about a year and a half, how st- historic, how good they've been. And in one game, that went all down the drain because Lyon has a super team.
0: You know what this tells me, Herc? We need a club world championship. Woo-hoo-hoo. FIFA, FIFA can like trips over themselves at every corner to try and squeeze any last dime out of the men's club game. It's sitting there for you in the women's club game. If you gave us Barcelona and Lyon against Portland and OL Reign or Washington Spirit, we would eat that up. That's what I know every time I see the Women's Champions League final. I want to see NWSL's best against the best in the world. And right now, we don't really have a format that delivers us that, hopefully in the not-too-distant future. Let's run it back with some of the best performance from players in the U.S. Women's National Team pool. Alex Morgan, her sixth goal, Herc, in the last five games as the San Diego Wave beat North Carolina Courage 1-0.
1: I don't know what's more impressive, that Alex Morgan at her age right now is the earlier, early and obvious front runner for MVP of the season, that mm-hmm. she's never won an NWSL, or mm-hmm. that the San Diego Wave, a first year team is in first place. I don't know what's more impressive. Yep,
0: they're both impressive. She doesn't have it on her mantle yet, but that NWSL MVP, uh, Alex Morgan, definitely your clubhouse early season leader. Kristen Press doesn't score a goal, but creates a goal as Angel City beats Kansas City 1-0 on Saturday.
1: Chris Impress, you had her as number one in your winger depth chart. I'll tell you what, maybe Angel City isn't known for being an offensive team. But they are the best defensive team in the league, and they are also very much a surprising team early on. The two first-year teams are one and two in the league. This blows my mind.
0: Yep, yep. Good start for the expansion. crews. Pressa, uh, of course, scoring her first regular season goal last week. That golazo we showed you. Mallory Pugh, two goals and an assist in Chicago's win over Orlando.
1: I sometimes forget how young Mallory Pugh is, because it feels like she's been around forever. I mean, 2016, we saw her with the national team for the first time. She's only 24 years Mm. old, Seb. This blows my mind.
0: Mallory Pugh getting it done. Tapping home the rebound from the penalty spot. Chicago Red Stars with a victory over Orlando. 4-2 the final score in that one. Liga McX Femenil. First leg of the final between Pachuca and Chivas on Friday. What a game, Herc. 27th minute, Viridiana Salazar puts Pachuca up, 1-0. Chivas equalized through Gabriela Valenzuela.
1: Man, it's just a good goal. Both goals. And look at Charlene Corral. This is a good finish. Left foot being strong on the run. Good finish.
0: Yeah, Pachuca up 2-1 there through Ocampo. Carlina Jaramillo makes it 2-2. Chivas here. Uh Uh-oh.
1: And then, uh-oh, penalty yeah, kick.
0: You, you know what's coming then. Alicia Cervantes, Alicia Cervantes, with not one, but two, uh, as Chivas win 4-2. Second leg tonight, we'll have full coverage and reaction on Thursday's Football Americas. We're also looking ahead to the U.S. women's national team against Colombia. I know it's a while away. Uh, June 28th on ESPN, 10 p.m. Eastern time, 7 o'clock Pacific. Big, big tune-up there before World Cup Playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, the Liga MX, Tigres, Atlas, semifinals. First leg went three nothing, Atlas. Late first half, Atlas going up 4 0 on aggregate through Julian Quinones.
1: Ah, uh, it's a good early ball from Hueso Reyes right there. Onto the oncoming path of Quinones. Quinones looks like he's slipping. Didn't slip enough. Good goal.
0: So, Gignac uh, maybe guilty of an elbow here at halftime. Miguel Herrera made a, a sub that got him in some hot water. I'll explain the rest after, but let's hear from Piojo first.
1: My El estar pensando en los goles, ya tenía yo el cambio en la cabeza y Hugo vino y me dijo que no podía
0: más, que le dolía mucho la espalda de un golpe y no, no me di cuenta. Responsabilidad 100% mía. So Florian, Taban, the player that came on, Hugo Ayala off. That means not enough Mexican players for Liga MX rules. That means trouble, but we'll get to that later. Gignac stepping up. What do you think was that a penalty, Herc?
1: Oh, man. I didn't think it was a penalty, but it doesn't matter what I think. uh, Gianni will bury that. Uh, He's looking good. How good? Look at this finish, Seb. (laughs) Number two for APG 10.
0: Yeah, This game started to take on a life of its own uh, in the second half. 67th minute, refs reviewing a possible penalty. Yeah,
1: hand on the back. What do you want, my man?
0: Cesar Ramos says, not today.
1: Come on man. This I was more of a penalty than that one, by the way. That's this right. well, Cesar up, Ramos does yeah. say this is a penalty. That, that's insane to me. I mean, where do you want to go with it? This? this has been the story of the at the playoffs all season.
0: Yep, so Gignac steps up from the spot, makes it 3-1. At least Cesar Ramos isn't representing Mexico in like a big tournament like the World Cup or anything though.
1: Oh, I thought he Oh, I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay.
0: Alright, 3-1, 81st minute.
1: What? What? Let's make it. Lee There he is! It's about time. Four to one. The miracle has happened. No, wow. Angulo, don't do that.
0: Jesús Angulo brings down Aldo Rocha. César Ramos says penalty. Look at this. wells
1: crying. He's crying. My man is such a showman. He is crying. <laughs> Are oh. you saying those weren't real tears? Maybe. Real
0: pressure teeth. there for Aldo Rocha, but he, he steps up and converts. And gives Atlas the lead. All right, so a lot to unpack um, from that game, but really the incident around the substitution kind of invalidates what happened in the second half. So I feel like we kind of, we got to start there. Let's start with, with the fault first. We heard from Pio Herrera. Who are you blaming?
1: I guess Miguel Herrera, but, like, should this really be on Miguel Herrera? Should it really be on the coach? And let me just explain myself for a second. Mm -hmm. Bear with me for a second. How stupid is it? How dumb is it that he can't use who's at his disposal on the bench? Think about any other league in the world. Think about any other sport in the world. If he's on the bench, you can use him. You don't have to say, wait a second, is he Mexican? Is he developed in Mexico? Is there a caveat or an asterisk for this player? Should I be able to use him or not? Uh, I, how dumb is this getting? Either you can have a certain amount of foreigners that make the game day roster, and they're there, and you can use them, or you can't. The stop, it's ridiculous, and I'm surprised that this is the first time this has happened. Now, I don't blame the guy, okay? He's got a, he's got a substitution in his mind, and all of a sudden, his center back, a Mexican player, It has to go out because he's got back spasms. He's not fit. So he thinks, okay, how can I make my team better? And he looks down the bench, and he's thinking about how to win the game in a game that nobody thought would be that way. Nobody thought they'd have a chance in. They're three goals down, and they make it interesting against the defending champions, and he picks a player from the bench. Said player goes on the field. And all of a sudden, you're like, wait a second, we got a problem. Mm. Too many foreigners on the field. It blows my mind. So I I wish it was as easy as saying this is on Piojo, but I don't really think it is.
0: Yeah, it's certainly on Piojo. But can you imagine the egg on the face of forget Tigres and Piojo, the league, if Tigres had won, they're bailed out by the fact that Atlas gets that penalty. Because if Tigres wins and then we got to go back, it's a mess. So whatever we're going to blame, Piojo and and there probably should and will be some punishment. The league must, today, absolutely 100%, to avoid a catastrophe in the future, change its protocols around this and take ownership. If it's not the fourth official, it can be a fifth league official, sixth league official. Thank you, you, you got to have a body there to, to, to make sure. Now, as far as punishment is involved... What do you think should go down here? Should Piojo be suspended? Should there be a fine? What should happen here for I mean, Piojo or for maybe for Tigres? I,
1: I, I think a fine would be justified, but I, I agree with you, would be major egg on the face. Could you imagine mm-hmm. one of the biggest clubs in Mexico advancing to this, from the semifinals to the final uh, on and what was the game in this miraculous comeback? And then on paper, they take the game away from them. It would be international egg on mm. the face. It would be controversy. It would be in papers all around the world. Look what happened in this league. And Mexican soccer would be in the world stage, uh, would be on the world stage in the press everywhere for the wrong reason. So I'm glad that didn't happen, but there has to be a change. As far as what should happen, I think a fine is, is, would suffice here. I don't know if you can give Miguel Herrera a suspension and, okay. and make it really interesting there.
0: All right. Uh, let me go conspiracy theory real quick on you here. Miguel Herrera's never had a problem with this rule before. Nobody has. He's he's down. He hasn't he hasn't forgotten before. He's down for nothing. It's basically over. Why not? Why not just you? you because you, you do not
1: get away with it,
0: Seb. You're telling me it was totally innocent. Totally Se- innocent?
1: Seb, if, if you're if you're if you're down honestly for nothing in like ten minutes left, then okay, nobody <clears> catches <throat> it, nothing happens. All right. But you're not. And you're still very much in this game. By the way the game is being played. Honestly, Seb, what do you gain from it? Uh-huh. Think about this, Seb. What can you you're not going to get away with it. So why do it? I don't buy the conspiracy theory. I know there are those conspiracy theories uh, theorists out there. I don't, for one second, buy it.
0: Yeah. Finally, you are you are critical, Herc, of the rule. That rule is in place, in theory, to get more Mexican players minutes to support the national team. Conversation for another day. But if you're going to take that rule away, what do you do to get those guys those minutes, right? So reduce. There's a the point to the rule. Limits,
1: uh, Seb, you don't say uh, formed in Mexico. You don't say on the game day roster. You don't say at the field at one time. You just reduce it. When I played in Liga Mequis, it was five foreigners. That's it. Boom.
0: Okay, when you played in Liga Américas, one of the stops that you made was Pachuca. They played America in the second leg of their semifinal. On Sunday, first leg finished up uh, 1-1. Pick this one up. Ooh, early on. Oh, no. Eric Sanchez giving away the ball to Diego Valdez. Ah.
1: If we only had a nine.
0: America had chances in the first half of this game, first half of last game. Come on. I mean, uh, uh,
1: what? Valdez isn't a 9, he's not a forward, but he should have finished it like a 9, he didn't though.
0: Richard Sanchez with a shot here, Ustadi laying out.
1: Oh, Ustadi's a ridiculous save, but then uh, from bad to worse, it's Aviles Hurtado to Romario Ibarra. Remember him, Minnesota United player? Look at that nice little goal.
0: Boom, and right there, Pachuca takes the one nothing lead, 2-1 on aggregate. Controversy here, Richard Sanchez. Getting stamped from behind by Nico Ibanez. At first, a yellow. VAR said, take another look.
1: Yeah, uh, no controversy. Should have been red. <laughs> no what controversy about this one? there. Should have been red.
0: There you go. So, the inconsistent refereeing is, I guess, consistently bad? Yeah.
1: That's Sanchez, Cedric uh,
0: right. Sanchez, golazo from distance. Was Memo slow to this? Nah, he got screened, couldn't
1: see it. Mm. The Pachuca altitude thin air, and then look at this, number two, this is a sweet little finish, and it got just from bad to worse, A Memo, who, and we're not gonna show you the rest of the shots that went off back and off the post, because that'd just be, in, oh, we are gonna show you those shots. Here you go. Pocho
0: Guzman <laughs> with a, a great assist there. <laughs> Suibara. There's a safer memo. Uh, Three nothing on the day. Four to one on aggregate. America goes down. All right. So uh, the talk around America right now is that uh, let's see. Tano Ortiz is all but official. But the talk in Mexico right now is that maybe Las Aguilas should reconsidering reconsider her, the hiring of their interim manager based on the so-called fracaso. Of the weekend, losing three nothing to Pachuca. So tell me, should América rethink it?
1: Um, yes or no? Was this a fracaso? No. Okay. Let me ask you no, no, some no, no, yes no, or no, nos. Me, no No, 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 <laughs> no.
0: I run the show. You let me ask you some yes or nos. Is América who is is Pachuca better than América? Yes. Oh, okay. Is América's roster top two in the league?
1: Neither is Pachucas.
0: No, no, no. I'm asking, is America's roster top two in the league? No. Okay, so semifinals is their station then. Is America then? the biggest club in Mexico? Semifinals is their station.
1: Is America the biggest club in Mexico?
0: Yes. On okay. history, yes. Okay. On titles, yes. Okay. okay, You just told me they're not a big spender.
1: Okay, hold on. Seb, let me, uh, this is a humiliating fracaso to add to it. Not just a fracaso, a humiliating fracaso. And I am very surprised you as an Americanista mm-hmm. don't recognize that. Now, our, our colleague, uh, Gibran Araige, who works for N, who's very much in, in the know and in the scene right there, has all, pretty much all but confirmed that Tano Ortiz will be made official uh, soon with Club America. They should reconsider that. Mm. And, and, and I, you know I've been against Tano Ortiz with this small body of work being named head coach. Solari, in a larger body of work, did more impressive things with Club America. Now, let me talk to you really quick yeah, about Yeah, all, all those
0: Ligia wins. Tell me about all the Liga wins he had.
1: Tell me about, <laughs> tell me about Tanortiz. Ortiz. Ortiz Ligia. has more
0: Ligia wins than Solari.
1: He's got one Liguilla win. Oh, okay, still. Okay. So let still. me tell you about this one Liguilla win. Let me tell you about Tanortiz's Ortiz's time, okay, with Club America. When he takes Club America over, Fecha 9, 9, Week 9, okay? They are last place in the league, but there's still only two points from Repechaque, two points from a wild card. He then goes on five game winning streak, where the only team of note that he beats, the only team that you could honestly say is a good team, a team of peso is Tigres, a Tigres team that was starting to go on the decline. He beats them convincingly, but then plays a team in Puebla in Liga that hadn't won in nine games and almost, almost bottles that one up. Then plays a real test, a true test in Pachuca and boy was it humiliating. This this 3-0 scoreline in the second leg was not indicative of how this game went. I mean, they were clearly beat on all facets of this game. This could have been a 6-0 scoreline. It was one of the most humiliating games I've seen for Club America in quite some time. And if you don't think Americanistas are trying to, or trying to rethink or re-go on this decision, you're crazy. The majority, and it's so split. I've been sending you things all day. It's a split decision right now between Americanistas, and I think it's a right call for them to question this. John
0: Sutcliffe, our uh, colleague, just a few hours ago confirming that Ortiz will be staying at Club America. So if John says it, then we'll tell it to you here yeah. uh, on Football America. Good news Americas. for Chibos fans. Uh, come on, come on. Look, you you want to reconsider, but like, how can I really reconsider if you're not going to give me names? All I can really think of right now is profiles. So what are the profiles that they would pick? Like a, a Liga MX retread? ma. Give me a name. Give me a name. If, you, if you're just going to tell me uh, Liga Mekis retread, I don't really want that. You're going to give me somebody new? Somebody without Liga Mekis experience? All right. Uh, they just tried that with Solari. That clearly didn't work. Meanwhile, I got a guy here who, who knows the club, knows the league, and has had success with this group. What more do you want? What success. more do you want?
1: Success, says the Americanista. Uh... Tuca Ferretti is a name that's been tossed around. Uh, Marcelo Vielsa is a name that's been tossed around and has even been in that circle before. I think there are a good amount of, just because it's Club America, that would mm-hmm. be attracted to the job. So this whole who, I think you could say for majority teams, but not for America.
0: Go Going, going from last to top
1: four? Is Last yes, that's place. a success That's a card. success That's a success These new age America fans are the problem These new age, these millennials, these zoomer America fans are the problem You guys are the problem
0: Alright, let's stop talking about the teams that lost America and Tigres And talk about the teams that won And the final that nobody wants Atlas against Pachuca First leg on Thursday Her time for a little bucket. it What's your bet?
1: You can really leave out the high pro the, the high level game we deserve uh, out of my tweet in your final nobody wants. I'm going to go draw without goals because, obviously, it just pays so well. I mean, plus 650. Uh, And you know how finals are, Seb, especially first leg affairs. They're cagey, they're tense, they're very defensive. And and this clash of styles, I don't know if it's conducive for the neutral. I don't know if we're going to see a lot of goals, especially in this first leg. You're talking about a... Atlas team that's very much defend first, very much pragmatic approach, very much will try to break you on the counter and see if we can do something and we're not gonna take too many risks. Versus Pachuca, who's the best defensive team in the league and they're a high press team. I don't know what we're gonna get with this clash of styles. All I do know is finals tell us that they're tense, they're low scoring affairs, especially leg one and plus 650, just the way it pays out. I like that bet, so I'm gonna take it
0: after the semifinals especially the second legs this weekend uh, a game with no goals is hard to envision Herk, it but is. I like that payout. that payout right there at plus 650. I've gone down a similar road for my bet uh, not quite as ambitious I'm going for a draw you know my rules it's the first leg of the final yep. take the draw and the under you can get them here combined draw and under two and a half goals at plus 245 you know I love that I'm smashing that every time. And I guess from what you're saying, you don't hate it either.
1: No, you're also talking about two probably of the best goalkeepers in Liga MX in each goal. So I I, I like the, the the under here and I like the draw a lot. I just, you've seen so many finals that these are cagey affairs. They're tense. Uh, I think this is good money here.
0: Hey, real quick, we will be on Thursday. So the next time people will see us will be Monday after the second leg, which takes place on Sunday. So we got to make some picks overall. Who do who you think is really going to win it all?
1: we do got to make some picks. Yeah, yeah I think it's going to be Pachuca. It's just so much talent. Offensively, they're one of the highest scoring teams. Defensively, they're the best defensive team. They're well coached. Uh, anytime you have a nine who, who, who is in that moment, like Nico Ibanez, I think it's very difficult, very tough to beat. They're just going to create so much from wing play in the final third. I, I got to go with them.
0: Contractually, we are uh, usually obligated to disagree on this show, but I got to agree with you there. After what Pachuca did to my America, I think they are the best team in Mexican soccer, and uh, it would be special to see Atlas do it again. But yeah, it seems like it's, it is very much Pachuca's turn. All right, let's move on. We'll run it back. El Tristal, Raul Jimenez with an assist as Wolves gave Liverpool a little bit of a scare early on Sunday, finished 3-1 Liverpool, but still, maybe maybe Raul's last game with Wolves, Herc.
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, six Do. goals, not exactly tearing it up in the scoring department. He's much more of a creator, but that's only his fourth assist. It's very much been a down year for Raul. Hopefully he can get back on track.
0: Yeah, good service. Fourth Premier League assist of the season. In Spain, Nestor Araujo, ooh, this isn't good. An own goal for Celta Vigo in their two-nothing loss against Valencia.
1: Yeah, he's very much such an enigma. He's a player that is consistently playing, but he's not quite had the best of years for both. of You can three. say it, he's
0: the Mexican John
1: Brooks. Wait, you know, that's a good shout. That's a good shout, except he actually plays, except he's still getting called up. <laughs> uh,
0: Orbelin got into this match uh, in the 70th minute, Celta finishing the season 11th. U.S. men's national team. Weston McKinney returning to action after his foot injury, been out since February, got in in the 79th minute as Juventus closed out the season with a 2-0 loss against Fiorentina And
1: My man's Wolverine healed up quick. Now he's getting ready for a summer call-up with the U.S. Men's National Team.
0: That's right. Uh, Juventus on the season, finishing fourth, good enough to secure Champions League football. Jordan Pifak wins Swiss Super League scoring title. Say that five times fast. 32 appearances, 22 goals this season for
1: young boys. I believe that's the first U.S. Men's National Team player that's won a goal-scoring title in Europe. I believe. Please Confirm, somebody please confirm. Who is Not- the
0: first who is the first to win a, a scoring title abroad?
1: Wow, wow. Do your research, homie.
0: Okay, okay. Your boy. Tim Weah slow start to the season by finishing strong. Two goals as Lille tied runs 2-2. Who, who'd they tie? I don't know. Somebody who I'm gonna get butchered for a pronunciation over.
1: <laughs> yeah. Good for Jimmy Weah though.
0: Oh, good for Timmy Weah. Uh Leo finishing 10th then on the season. Greg Burhalter dropping the summer roster for upcoming friendlies in the Nations League on Friday. Christian Pulisic uh, is in, as you mentioned, Weston McKinney as well. 27 players total. 19 of them were part of the World Cup qualifying effort. Real quick, let me read you uh, the guys who were injured and not here because of injury. Uh, Serginio Des, Miles Robinson, Gio Reyna, Josh Sargent, Jordan Pifak, Daryl DK. Chris Richards. Anybody else who's not on this roster, they're not on it because of the coach's decisions. One of the guys who falls into that category is John Brooks. Here's Greg Berhalter last week. In terms of John, um, you know, him going to a new club doesn't preclude him from this roster. Uh, my, my point was we're going to be able to see him now in his new environment, hopefully doing things that are similar to what we need him to do. And that could help him, um, you know, make a case to be on the roster. I've always said to you guys that we don't rule any player out permanently. You know, that's just not how we work. You know, even in the case when Jeff's asking about John Brooks, like, trust me, he's not out permanently. That's not our idea. The idea is we want players that
1: can fit our game model, that can can play in our game model, that can make us better. All
0: right, Hark, let's talk snubs. Who's the biggest one on this list or left off? This list for you, and why do I have a feeling it's John Brooks?
1: It's John Brooks. Let's just stop making excuses as to why John Brooks isn't on the U.S. men's national team roster. It seems like every time there's a call-up, he's not there. What's the new excuse? It's John Brooks needs to be better with his club team. It's John Brooks needs to work on things we've told him to work on. It's John Brooks isn't on here because I want to see this player. I know what John Brooks offers me. And now this. It seems like there's always an excuse as to why John Brooks can't make your national team. And now you're in a crisis. The U.S. men's national team is in a center back crisis. You can't mince words. That's what it is. And Miles Robinson, who was a de facto starter on your U.S. men's national team, is quite possibly out for the World Cup. Mm. Uh, We don't know when he will come back. Chris Richards is often injured. Mark McKenzie doesn't play. Walker Zimmerman may be your only player there. Cameron Carter-Vickers has no experience with this U.S. men's national team. Eric Palmer-Brown, very little as well. There happens to be a player that has a wealth of experience, European pedigree experience in the Bundesliga, who at one point was the highest transfer for any American in the world. Who happened to score a goal in a World Cup, has World Cup experience? Aaron Long's coming back from a torn Achilles tendon and hasn't played much this season. And you're still talking about other players. You're still making excuses as to why John Brooks isn't part of this. Let's just stop making the excuses. Mm. Give John Brooks an opportunity. Let people see him fail or let people see him succeed or say what it really is. Mm.
0: Yeah. It is a snob. I don't, I don't know that it's much of a surprise anymore, right? And, and I get it. We're always, when we talk about Brooks, we're always talking about the reasons that Burhalter's giving. One thing I would love for somebody to ever use in a defense of John Brooks is, is how he's actually playing. Somebody who could be, hey, he played very, very well for Wolfsburg. If you're watching the Bundesliga every week and that's your take, fine. Or or point to how he's played for the US national team. I never hear anybody talking about the first half against Canada or his performance against El Salvador. Nobody ever talks talks about the performances.
1: That's actually one of the things one of the reasons I believe there is that rift between Greg Berhalter and John Brooks. Because in that first half, he played poorly. In that first half, he was also visibly seen questioning Greg Berhalter and his tactics tactics. That, to me, is the rift between them two. I don't have any proof of that, but based off of everything I've seen, that would lead me to believe. So,
0: Burhalter talked specifically about John Brooks. He was obviously asked about it by the media in that press conference. He also, Herc, name-checked three other guys who weren't injured but were left off this roster to give him a chance to recover from their time in Europe. Ricardo Pepe, Gianluca Busio, And James Sands. Now, if I'm not injured and it's a World Cup year, I don't know that I really want time to recover. Certainly not if I'm Ricardo Pepe. So if we're going to talk snubs here, I think we got to talk a little bit Pepe. He's left off here. Berhalter had kind of warned us that this might come. But, man, those World Cup odds for Pepe right now are not looking good.
1: I mean, Seb, would you have guessed this? When we are talking about Ricardo Pepe on fire for FC Dallas, I mean, it was Jurgen Klinsmann on this show who said, be careful what you wish for. Be careful where you go. Maybe the timing isn't at its best. And now we're talking about Ricardo Pepe. Think about this. Mm -hmm. May not be a possibility to even make the roster in the World Cup. Like, think about this for a second. If you're Ricardo Pepe, you want to be on this roster. You may not need to be on this roster. You may actually need a break. You may need to be uh, mentally refreshed, but you want to be here. You want to prove yourself, and, and I think that's damning to Ricardo Pepe.
0: Mm. All right, so we will see what happens with Ricardo Pepe, not just in terms of the national team, but also his club future. Will it be another season at Augsburg? for the young American. All right, so we got some new names, relatively new on this roster as well. Guys who weren't really huge parts of the World Cup qualifying effort. Cameron Carter-Vickers, Jordi Mihailovic, Joe Scally, Malik Tillman, plays for Bayern Munich, just committed to the US over Germany, and, and Haji Wright, who we've been talking about a lot uh, on this show for all of his exploits in Turkey. Herc, as we look at that list, who on that list do you think has right now the best shot of making the World Cup team for Qatar?
1: Haji right? Now bear with me, okay? I look at these names. I look at uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers, a Jordi Mihailovich, I look at a uh, Joe Scally. I look at a uh, Malik Tillman. They're all gonna be fighting somewhere along the lines of being fringe players on a depth chart. Mm-hmm. Like you're probably not gonna be Sergio Dest if you're Joe Scally you're probably not going to beat out a healthy Giovanni Reina if you're Malik Tillman or if you're uh, Jordi Mihailovic, he's playing in the midfield, or, or if it's Weston McKinney or Eunice Musa in the way the U.S. men's national team plays. But if you're Haji Wright, like I have no idea who the starting number nine is going to be in Qatar. You may actually not only fight for a place on the team, mm-hmm. but fight for a starting place in this lineup. You may actually be the starting number nine come Qatar, and you're a player who's very familiar with this U.S. men's national team setup in terms of the players. You've played youth national teams with some of these players, a lot of these players, so it's not unfamiliar to you. It's a position that's so taboo right now. If I had to peg one guy that Mm -hmm. I could not only make the team, and if you're a hot hand as a forward that is very important, trust me, take it from me, you may have a shot at starting a game in the World Cup.
0: Hey, what about uh, Tillman, the player for Bayern Munich? Zero caps, what percentage chance? Are you giving him a making the team for Qatar?
1: If I had to pick a percentage, I mean, I'd go with a 60% chance at least.
0: 60? 60?
1: At least. Because if if I'm Malik Tillman, especially the reports we've been hearing out of Germany, how disappointed they are to lose him, how Mm -hmm. they saw him in the setup, how they thought he was going to be part of that program. I have to assume as a pundit on this side of the pond that there was a conversation and a an very strong one at that that assured Tillman that he's got realistic possibilities of being a big mm. part of this national team for him to switch, switch allegiances. Excuse me. Uh, so I'd say there are strong possibilities that he makes that team in Qatar. Wow.
0: 60% Tillman to make the team in Qatar. Herk. Never, ever say that this man will not go out on a limb. <laughs> That's what he does here on Football Américas. One more thing, Herc, and it comes from social media. You were stalking Christian Pulisic on Instagram this weekend, threw it in the uh, WhatsApp group, and you noticed that Pulisic took Chelsea FC out of his bio. Actually, shout out to our friends, uh, USMNT Only. They're the ones that really noticed it over on Instagram. Uh, Pulisic, by the way, didn't play in the season finale against Watford. Herc, is the change in the bio on Insta something, nothing, or everything
1: well, it's not nothing. I'll tell you that much. Um, it's definitely something. I can't say it's everything because of the player himself says it or the club says it first that he's gone, mm-hmm. then it'll be everything. But mm-hmm. it, it's definitely something. I mean, whether it's Mark Pulisic, his father in those cryptic tweets, whether it's his, it's his Christian Pulisic's lack of playing time or his lack of finishing ability. And Thomas Tuchel's comments post-game about lack of finishing ability. Uh, there's been a circus surrounding Christian Pulisic. There's been a circus surrounding Chelsea. There's been just an enormous amount of buildup and talk about him needing to leave. So much so that there have been reports out of England that the player Christian Pulisic himself has asked to leave Chelsea. Now this this is definitely something, Seth. We can't ignore this.
0: Yeah, if everything means a sign that he's gonna leave Chelsea, then I gotta be honest at this point, then Herk, yeah, I do think that it's everything. This is a, a public and intentional distancing of himself from the club. Like, you, you don't do that on accident. You, you wanna Ooh. send a message and you wanna send a very strong message, right? How, how, what's the point of doing
1: that if, if you're not leaving? I, I've got a real issue saying that's what he did until he does it, I think it's subtle. But players send message, whether subtle or not, out to the public, out to the press. And him doing this may just be voicing displeasure. But until we hear from the player sure. or Chelsea themselves sure. that he's actually leaving. Also, there's a big, big caveat here, a big situation that we need to realize. He was like a $74, 75000000 million transfer. Chelsea just isn't going to let a player like that go unless they can recuperate something for him.
0: Right. Uh, if, we, if we believe that where there's smoke, though, there's fire. Yeah. There's certainly right now a lot of smoke yeah. uh, around this with Christian Pulisic. Real quickly, you know, he, he had this huge stretch where he didn't play, didn't start under Thomas Ducal. And then in the last two weeks, he starts four games in 12 days. I thought that was very weird. I brought up some of the, the reasons why last week. Um, but it almost felt like a, like a forced last chance audition. Uh, And I don't know, you know, he didn't play poorly. He had a goal assist. I think people will mostly remember the the missed chances against Liverpool in the FA Cup final. But he didn't necessarily convince. And that, for me, felt like Tuchel kind of saying, hey, uh, you want consistent starts? Here they are. Did he do enough? Did he do enough?
1: No, because Thomas Tuchel's comments in his last game would lead us to believe that he was not pleased at all and that he... Pointed and singled out Christian Pulisic's miss because it was a sitter. Let, let's be honest. Uh, we, we give Christian Pulisic uh, a lot of pass because how we see him being treated by the English press because of what we see from Thomas Tuchel because of what we see from him playing in different positions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But this was a blatant miss. This was a sitter. He should have put away and he didn't. And Thomas Tuchel singled him out as a player that should have put that in the back of the net. So yeah, I agree with you.
0: Maybe another chance for Christian Pulisic to find the back of the net for the U.S.
1: men's national
0: team. Their next game, June 1st, against Morocco. Match you can catch on ESPN2 Wednesday. Do not miss our wall-to-wall coverage as the U.S. continues their road to Qatar. All right, let's talk some Major League Soccer. Good, bad, and ugly from the weekend that was. Herc, we'll start with FC Dallas. Uh, they lost 2-1 to against Minnesota, but... Paul Areola scored in his fourth straight game.
1: Fourth straight game. What was that? Five goals, three assists. Uh, DC United's problem, or, or so we heard that he was a DC United problem. A very oh, good nobody player. said he was a problem. No. Well, that's not what we're hearing. Uh, maybe it wasn't oh, just Oh, what would you hear? Out. Why don't
0: you report it then, since you heard so much?
1: You, weren't you here for that? I don't think you were here the day that uh, we were no, yeah, that. Ah, no, yeah, that's
0: right. I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, sure. When, miss, he was to,
1: when he was supposed to go to Club America, uh, but Kevin Payne said he didn't want to go, da da Right. Now Kevin now Payne, he's who no longer works for DC United. For
0: all, Dallas. Right. Definitely, blame Kevin Payne. Right. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You, Dave Kevin Catherine Payne, Payne Apologist. Dave D.C. Catherine. United, Apologist. Dave Catherine. Uh The bad. The bad Herc. Just MLS goalies, but not just any old MLS goalies. This is MLS goalies playing out of the back. We'll start with the Eloy Room
1: of Columbus. I mean, what are you doing there? I just. I mean, it's also Nagby, but you just, just don't give him the ball there. Like, what do you got to gain by that? And this is. Just par for the course. It does I mean, more
0: nagby than room, right?
1: Yeah, but how about this? This isn't, uh, this is Joe Willis. Joe Willis to to Marcelo uh, Moreno right there. Diego Almada will take that one. Joe Willis, come on, man. With a stash like that, you can't make an error like that.
0: Yeah, Nashville in a 2-2 draw against Atlanta. Joe Willis, formerly of DC United, uh, the guilty oh, no. party there. And then the Galaxy, Jonathan Bond, former Football America's guest.
1: Yeah, he's a great guest, too. Hell of a guy, not a hell of a moan. Oh, you can't cop that one up. And it's not an isolated incident. A few of these this year.
0: The Galaxy featuring in the ugly as well. Really, this should have been the refs. This should have been the refs. It was that bad of a weekend for the referees across Major League Soccer. But Herc, you wanted to make it about your former team, the LA Galaxy, who have one win in their last five.
1: Uh, three losses in the last five. Uh, <laughs> And this is a team that's a second straight loss at home, getting scored on multiple times. They were booed off the field. And what's worse, they've made Chicharito go cold. That's seven straight games. Chicharito, no goals. And guess what's coming up, Sub? Guess what's coming up? El Trafico. Now, open Cup versus El Trafico. Maybe that cures all.
0: 13 goals for the Galaxy so far this season. Nobody in the Western Conference Uh, Has They are fifth, though, in the Western Conference table. Pro referees. I saw what happened in Portland. I saw what happened in Austin. You escaped for this week because Herc wanted to hate on the Galaxy, but uh, next week we'll get you. Speaking of the Galaxy, as you mentioned, they face off against LAFC Herc in the Open Cup, round of 16 on Wednesday. One of quite a few games that you can catch on ESPN+. Time for another book it. What's your bet?
1: I'm taking the Los Angeles Galaxy at the money line so that they Uh will win. It's plus 145. Uh And you you heard me mention that uh, LAFC cures off of the Galaxy. Uh It doesn't matter how bad the Galaxy are playing how well LAFC are playing. Mm -hmm. When they play against the Galaxy at Dignity Health Sports Park, and I've told you this before, Mm -hmm. it cures all for the Galaxy. Seven undefeated, they've never lost in their history versus LAFC at Dignity Health Sports Park. Five wins, two draws, and I've got a feeling that Chicharito breaks that slump In Mm. this game, I'm taking the Galaxy, uh, who is referred to as Papa in this rivalry, uh, at home.
0: All right, so you did this last time they played. You said this is what would happen. I didn't listen to you. Am I going to learn my lesson? No. (laughs) I'm not going to learn my lesson. I'm not going to learn my lesson. They're due! LAFC is due to win in Carson. So I'm going to take LAFC at plus 155. By the way, since you hate supporter shields, LaFC, it. I don't have a major trophy. You want to be a big club, you gotta have a major trophy. You always talk about how easy the Open Cup is to win. I gotta to document win. this. You, Alright, you so, so let's get LaFC at what plus 155. So a little fatter payout there than your Galaxy bet. Okay. I, I also like I also like the own goal to be scored in this game because you know there's craziness in these matches. Plus 550 on an own goal. Ooh. Okay, plus. 550 Ooh. if you want to fire. Let's take a look at the uh, rest of Wednesday's schedule. Eight games in the round of 16 in the Open Cup. We got a, a California Derby. We got a Florida Derby, Orlando against uh, Inter Union, Miami. Omaha. We got Louisville hosting. We got Sacramento Republic hosting. And yes, out of USL League One, the third tier, we got Union Omaha. They actually just sent us jerseys. I just got them in my house. Uh, they sent, sent us some cool gear, so uh, I'll get that to you soon. But there are the matchups. Don't miss a single minute of the action on ESPN Plus. Wednesday night. Party Shot, Mexican Football Federation extending its partnership, Herc, with the US-based Soccer United Marketing, which of course we know is the commercial and marketing arm of Major League Soccer. The deal will be extended for another six years through 2028. Herc, there is lots of interest in this news south of the border. What do you make of it?
1: So this is interesting for me because as you know, U.S. soccer, the U.S. men's national team uh, also had the same agreement with some. They decided to now do it in-house. So now Mexican soccer, FMF will do this for the men and for the women. And I think it means different things for Mm. both. This is good news for the women and bad news for the men. Now, let me explain myself. Why is it good news for the women? You need to give these women every single opportunity to have more attention put on their game because they deserve it. More attention will mean more money. A marketing arm like this can suit them and do them better. That's gonna be more exposure. That's something they do very well at some. But on the men's side, this means more games in the US. This means a team that plays very little in Mexico will now play even less and will be guaranteed to play less in Mexico. This to me as a Mexican fan who lives in Mexico is a slap in the face. This is telling me that the Federation only cares about the dollars. Forget yeah. about the pesos, only los dólares. They don't care about the fan being able to see their team. They don't care about the fan being able to see the game grow within their own country. The federation cares about the dollars and they're following said dollars in the states.
0: Yeah, remember when, when we were down in Mexico City and we were talking about if Azteca still pesa, right? If it still weighs, you talk about, well, they play games at night and the players aren't acclimated to the to the altitude and the stadium has changed and all those things are true. But the Mexican national team also plays a lot of its games in the United States. So when it comes to those World Cup qualifiers, there is a distance. There is a separation between the national team and its fans. And I think that's not good. That's not good for anybody um, involved there. I think this definitely leads us to more MLS, Liga MX business, right? Because we know the federation is run by the Liga MX owners and the MLS owners are the ones in charge of Soccer United Marketing. So we're definitely going to see more of that. I'm with you, though. I was surprised very surprised to see this in context of what's happened with the U.S. Soccer Federation, because the U.S. Soccer Federation has had this deal with Soccer United Marketing, and they're saying now, U.S. Soccer, that, hey, we think going out on our own, we can maximize our rights. Good news Why for is Mexican it, hurt? Women? why is it, hurt that Mexico doesn't think they can do that, that the Mexican Federation doesn't think they can do that on their own, and they need Soccer United Marketing? I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. Same reason they want to team up with Liga Mekis. Ah.
1: Or Homemade soccer.
0: There it is. All right. Uh, Play more Football Americas in podcast form. We will be back on Thursday working on a very special guest with ties to the Mexican national team. We'll see you then.